So we last left our hero out there making of what I consider to be a pretty big pronouncement, which is a brand community is a business strategy, not just a marketing strategy. I like this idea because what you're talking about is a big, hairy idea. Consequently, it deserves not just the marketing department's attention, it deserves the CEO, the COO, the whoever, all the major stakeholders and owners of the business, they need to be involved at least at an understanding level, if not a daily active user within this community in order to make it work. And you asked me last week why I thought a couple of my attempts to sell in such a program at some of the places worked, why it didn't actually go anywhere. And I think that's the problem right there, which is this, perhaps because I didn't have the words, they looked at it as a marketing strategy, not as a business strategy. Hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, that's just su such a great question. And 70% of brand communities fail. So let's start there. <laughs> and the main reason they fail is because the community is not aligned with the business culture, the culture of the business. So if you have a business that is always be selling, always be closing, that's probably not going to be the right culture for a, a community. That's not a reason to gather that you're going to be plucking people's wallets and their, and their money every time they visit. So it's got to be a higher level idea. So culture is, is incredibly important. On the last show, you mentioned Harley-Davidson as an example of that. And I actually used to work with Harley-Davidson, and, and I saw this in action, that at the time, the person running the company, I believe, was the, like the grandson of either Harley or Davidson, I, I, I can't remember. But here is a person running the company, and he knows that everything they do, every, everything they do, has to support this idea of the community. I'll give you an example. I was in the metals business at that time, and we, I had R&D reporting to me, and we came up with this aluminum that had this coating on it that resisted dirt. That would be perfect for a motorcycle. You're going through all these muddy roads. This thing literally like rejects the mud and the grease and keeps your bike clean. We presented this to Harley-Davidson. They hated it because Mr. I think it was Mr. Davidson <laughs> said, you don't understand. The people in our community, that's how they interact with their product, with the bike. They love to polish it. They love to clean it. We can't take that away from them. That is a source of pride. I mean, even the sound of the thing is very fine-tuned to say the person riding this bike is a badass. So from the top of the bottom company to the, to the bottom of the company, they understand that that emotional connection to the product, which is everything to a company, is in the community. And they can't do anything that would sort of breach that trust with the community. One of the things that really hammer home the idea that building a community or be belonging to the brand, building that community is a business strategy. I can't help but think that it really has to do with the fact that people, again, they want to belong. We are pack animals. Even a lone wolf, I love to say this, even a lone wolf is part of a greater pack. Yeah, they may 
you not see the, the whole pack all the time, but there's still a longing to have that connection. But that idea that the community is actually a, a test bed, a beta center for any ideas you have. So for instance, if you're trying to sell the oil and mud shedding metal, normally a marketing department would go to a test focus group or something like that. And you get some people in the room and then no one says anything until the person with the biggest mouth and the highest opinion of themselves says something and everybody lines up to agree with them. Yes, I hate focus groups. But I will say I love communities because communities are where the things bubble up. Yeah, And uh, you may know this story better than I, so feel free to hop in. But I am reminded of Cheetos Flaming Hot snack foods, right? Flaming Hot Cheetos. Okay, I'm in the Midwest. Flaming Hot, eh, we don't do that by naturally. However, one of the employees at Cheetos did. I believe he was a Mexican-American who brought, and he may have even been in the maintenance department. And he said, hey, listen, our culture loves these flavor profiles that have some real kick and heat to them. Why don't we do some of those? Mm. So that's an idea that they didn't have an official community, but every business does have a community in the fact that they have people working for you. A lot of people would have said, hey, great idea. Why don't you go back to your job and we'll let R&D take care of it. Instead, somebody listened to that community member and came up with a new product skew that is selling like crazy and also leads to brand extensions all over the place. There's lots of examples like that. I mean, that's really going on. All, all, you know, here's the way, DP, I, if you want to find good communities, you can generally look at what are the best managed companies in the world. I find that the best managed companies usually do everything right. And those are the ones that are really innovating with community as well. One of the great examples in the book is, is uh, actually, I didn't mention this in the book. This, I think I learned this after I wrote the book. A Lego has a new product out that is competing with jigsaw puzzles. So like maybe over a holiday, you might get out a jigsaw puzzle and your family, you know, does a little bit at a time. And someone in Lego's community had the idea, why couldn't we create sort of a Lego puzzle to do that? So they've created like baskets of flowers and baskets of succulents, more sort of adult ideas that the whole family can work on, you know, and get it done in a reasonable time frame, you know, over a holiday. In, in my community, this is a, a, a little example that I, that I just love. When ChatGPT was first coming out, I was an early adopter and I was really interested in this. And a lot of people in my community were, were bubbling and buzzing about it and they had all these ideas. And I said, look, over the weekend, I'm gonna create a blog post and you're doing all these interesting things with ChatGPT. I wanna write a blog post about non-obvious uses of ChatGPT. If you give me a good one, I'll put it in my blog post and I'll link to you. So we built this little product together. And DP, I've been blogging since 2009. I've never done a blog post like that that was created by a community because I never had a community before. That was my most successful blog post ever. It was viewed a half a million times. Mm. It was bigger. It was better than anything I could have done on my own. Now, just think about scaling that to a brand with hundreds or maybe even thousands of members. Sephora 
big skincare cosmetics company. They've got stores, almost every significant city in the world probably has a Sephora store, but 80% of their revenue, even with all those stores, 80% of the revenue comes from their community with 6 million members in it. Can you imagine how many conversations they're having? How many ideas they're getting? What an advantage that is going to be over any competitor. Especially when it comes to areas like fashion or cosmetics and things like that. Color trends, you get it from the community. New needs and desires, you get it from the community. You get all this, what I would call leading economic indicators, they exist in that community. And you can have visibility to it if you have the community. But even, even in my little business, I mean, today, every piece of content I create, every speech I give, somewhere in there is embedded in an idea that came out of my community. Because there are people, they're all over the world, and they're seeing things and experiencing things and commenting on things. You know, I would never have the opportunity to experience those things. And they're bringing them to me. They're bringing them into this community. And it, it's, it's just made me a better business leader. It's made me a better teacher. It's made me a more relevant marketer. And that's the superpower of communities. Does it require a certain self-awareness or humility to embrace something like this? Because a lot of people like to say, I know, well, they may not say it overtly, but Mm -hmm. by the way they do things, they say very clearly, I am the expert. I know I am infallible. And instead you're, you're saying, don't know everything. I would love to hear from you. I would love to listen to you. I would love to see things through your eyes. There's almost a a humble brand quotient to what you're talking about. Yeah, this this is a very keen insight you're making here. And it's something I'm I'm still learning about. And I think there is a certain humility that goes with uh, leading a, a community. There's also certain aspects of leading a community that are that are not intuitive that are different than what we learned at the university this idea of like giving up power and not creating an organization but elevating volunteers in the community and and boy what a learning experience it's it's been for me it's like you know in my community we have lots of different projects going on where you know we we started a podcast and we do these metaverse experiments and and these are all being led by people other than me. And one of the things I'm learning, because I'm seen as an authority figure by, by many people, and you know I'm grateful for that, and I'm not going to escape that. But in the community, my job is to encourage discussions, encourage engagement, create a safe environment. And something I've been struggling with is if I get involved in a discussion or debate, and maybe I disagree with someone, is that shutting down a discussion? Could that be maybe just, you know, putting a a chink in the armor of someone who's maybe a little vulnerable today, and they're feeling less safe in the community? I mean, these are weird things to think about as a leader, you know, as a business leader, as as a marketing professional, but that's what you have to think about in this community. My job is not to be the smartest person in the room. My job is to create a safe, nurturing environment where people feel validated, 
where they feel heard and where they feel like they belong. That's my number one job. You hit on something about leadership that I, I think a lot of people maybe don't understand or really appreciate. And that is that leaders don't go off in their direction and say, follow me. They're actually just a few steps in front of who they're leading and they are listening and they are making sure no one's left behind and they're part guide, but part someone who pays attention to all the variables that can affect the community. What you were talking about reminded me of a story I once heard. I like folk music, okay? Modern singer, songwriter, stuff like that. I once heard one of the people that I really like talk about being on stage at a folk festival and they always do a, a final song of the night where everybody who performed during the entire festival gets on stage and they sing something like, will the circle be unbroken? And everyone takes a verse or maybe does a guitar solo or something. There's always one person who's leading it. And in this case, this female singer songwriter I'm thinking of said that she had the opportunity to be on stage with Pete Seeger, one of the old old folk stars from the original, even pre-folk days in Greenwich Village. And guess what? You got a stage full of egos. Pete said, let's do this. And everyone said, okay. Because he had such respect and such uh, veneration almost. And everyone recognized that, okay, well, he knows what to do. He's been around. He's got the bona fides. Everyone followed the lead. That's the Mm. key. Leaders have to understand Mm. the people following get to vote. And if they don't get to vote, they're going to leave. And that's the huge thing. I mean, the bottom line is by being a humble brand or even a humble leader, Mm. you get so much more out of it. I can only guess how many new books worth of material you are gathering on a meeting by meeting basis and they don't even know it. Yeah. Oh, they know it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we help each other. I mean, we really do. I mean, when people are struggling with anything, they just they ask for help and 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 generally, you know, generally they they get it. And so we're lifting each other up and uh, I mean, my goal, I think the goal of any leader is to fade into the background to become just, you know, a, a community member. That's what I would love to accomplish because when I do that, then it's no longer a cult of personality. It's my legacy. It's going to be something that is sustained and will go on longer than me. And that's something I can be very proud of. And it's already happening. It's happening really quickly because we have so many people in the community who are really smart and are really respected who I can be humble around because they know a lot more about what they're talking about than, than I do. And I can, I can demonstrate that leadership too. I want to let you lead on this, which is right from the book. You say social sharing, the most important metric. Now, a lot of people who are looking at Instagram influencers and stuff like that, they'll say, oh yeah, Instagram influencers, they want their stuff shared and stuff like that. You're not talking about that or not that exclusively. You're talking yeah. about that in comparison to perhaps other metrics. And so I'd love for you to unpack that or illuminate that idea again. Social sharing, the most important metric. What do you mean? Well, measurement and community, it's it's hard. And that is what really creates the most angst, I think, with community professionals. 
over 90% of community professionals said that they're creating, their community is creating value for the company. Only 10% said that they could measure it. <laughs> That's a problem. So I do have a chapter in my new book, Belonging to the Brand, that I think is one of the best contributions to the idea of community. And it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's about measurement, but looking at it through the lens of brand marketing. And I start with a big discussion of what's the difference between brand marketing, which is almost impossible to measure, and transactional marketing, like you know coupons and ads, which is relatively easy to measure. If you're going to get the true emotional firepower, the collaboration, the co-creation, the brand advocacy, sorry, that's brand marketing. That's less easy to measure. So let's start there. Now, what can you measure? We, I mentioned Sephora, all right? Six million people in their community, 80% of their revenue coming through their community. What's their number one measure? Engagement. You and I have been around long enough to really sort of roll our eyes when it comes to engagement, right? It's a fluffy measure in social media. It's like a vanity measure. I have been highly critical of engagement as a measure when it comes to social media. It can be gamed. It, it's, it, there's almost no connection with engagement and ROI. You can engage yourself broke. If all you do is engage and it's not doing anything to move the needle, what the heck are you doing? However, in community, let's go back to Sephora as an example. Their number one measure is engagement because that is a leading indicator to sales. If people are engaging in, com- in the community, it shows they're relevant the content is relevant. The discussions are relevant. The products that they're introducing into the community are relevant. It's creating engagement and conversation. This is one of the biggest, most successful communities in the world, and engagement is their major measurement. Now, let's talk about social sharing. I, I mentioned this example of people were, were taking screenshots of this metaverse, exa- metaverse experiment we had in my community where we ended a little get-together, you know, sitting in a fake hot tub on a fake ski slope. But we were there with people from all over the world. And it was beautiful, and it was sublime, and it was fun. And people took that picture and shared it all over social media. Guess what? That is organic advocacy. That is more powerful, more valuable than any ad you could ever take out. Because I'm going to believe my friend on social media that said, I just had the most amazing time in this Rise community. Oh my gosh, I am learning so much. Look what I did today. I sat in this hot tub and we talked to people from all over the world. That's what I mean by by social sharing, organic advocacy. When you do something in a community that is so meaningful, so compelling, so unmissable, that people can't wait to talk about it outside the community, that's gold. That's the best marketing you you could ever wish for. Let me share with you a story from storm-laden Wisconsin, which can be a challenge. We have hailstorms occasionally. Hailstorms come through, hit our roofs, and can, you know, cause significant damage. And then the guys who are selling new roofs come through the neighborhood trying to sell you on a new roof. My answer to that is I open the door and say, thanks, no thanks, shut the door, see you later. One of my neighbors gets a new roof on. We see them. We see that what they're doing. We see how they take care of that neighbor's lawn, even while they're bringing on these big pallets of shingles and stuff. 
and we go, oh, those guys are pretty good. Then we talk to our neighbors. All of a sudden, we're calling those guys because right. we trust them. We've They've demonstrated who they are, what they do, and how they do it, which is one of the tenets of what I call nonfiction branding. And they've got a unpaid sales team member in the form of my neighbor. And they'll right. tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly. And consequently, guess what? We got a new roof, the same guy who roofed our neighbor's roof. It's, it's a great case study. And you know, I, I, I think I know you and I are of the same mindset that really, you know, today the successful marketing mindset is not about telling people how great you are. It's about getting other people to tell other people how great you are. The customer is the marketer. We don't believe ads, we don't believe marketing messaging, but we do believe each other, our friends, our neighbors, profesh fellow professionals. We believe business leaders. We believe technical experts. We believe entrepreneurs. So and, 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 you know, increasingly that's kind of starts another topic, but you know, increasingly the personal brand is the brand. That's who we want to see. That's who we believe. And you know, everybody can be an influencer. Just in your case, it was your it was your neighbor because you're gonna believe them before anybody knocking on your door. Well, and, and that's so true. Everybody is already an influencer. They may not be a Kardashian, but they are an influencer within their community. All you have to do is someone see your shoes and go, oh, I saw those. Are those comfortable? And then all of a sudden you're an influencer or the car you drive or how many times has one neighbor gotten a new car and all of a sudden four other neighbors all in the block get new cars because they're inspired or maybe they got more information from that neighbor themselves. And that word of mouth power goes crazy when you have a community. And that's what you're talking about. By the way, if you're watching the live stream, the book, you can see the book over Mark's shoulder. You can also see it in my hand right here. You can also like see- that. Yeah, I like that one better because of all the post-it notes. Yeah, well, I always go through, before I talk to Mark, I go through his books and I find the stuff that makes me go, uh-huh, or, oh yeah, mm-hmm. If I grunt kind of in a Neanderthal way, that gets a post-it note, and then we talk about it during the podcast. Oh, because let me tell you, I'm a jaded son of a gun when it comes to marketing and stuff like that. Yeah. I am so sick and tired of the typical garden variety conventional wisdom that's out there about all this stuff. So when I come across something new, something interesting, and something I think is valuable, I'm going to use my word of mouth and start spreading it around. And that's why I'm so happy to tell you about Belonging to the Brand, Mark Schaefer's new book. Again, the full title is Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy. And I will attest firsthand to its quality, especially for those people who are like, I'm not so sure. Because one of the things I like about your books is they're compelling and they are generally convincing as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't do all of it, but if you can start thinking about, you know what, we need to stop thinking of them as clients. We need to th- start thinking of them about, or as members of our community, especially B2B. My God, B2B clients, they are your community. Embrace them and learn from them and get that early leading economic indicator information, the barometer and temperature from your community by having a community. So smart. Check out Belonging to the Brand, available. Where can you get the book? 
You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it in paper, hardback, ebook, and an audiobook narrated by me. There you go. And in the past, I know you've done signed copies via your website. Do you still yeah, do that? I do. I do. Yep. I just I sent out a couple today, as a matter of fact. So I mean, that's really neat. And and by the way, thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you for actually reading my book and being so well prepared with the interview. That really makes it a joy as, as always. And, uh, you know, I've learned from you today. You've helped me connect some, some, some dots I hadn't thought about before. So I really enjoyed the conversation and oh, thank you. So much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great job. Well, thank you. And let me tell you, doing a podcast like this is not easy. I mean, let's face it. I'm just coming off an extended hiatus, frankly, because I was tired. I was just tired. And then your book came out and you sent me a copy and I'm like, okay, I'm not tired anymore. There's interesting stuff here. I want to share it. And so I'm delighted to tell the Nonfiction Brand Podcast audience that I'm back and I'm talking to more highly curated people. Meaning, I'm talking to Mark Schaefer. Read his books, especially belonging to the brand. You will not be disappointed. It will definitely get you thinking. I'm also going to be starting a sub-series that I'm calling the TikTok Sessions, where I talk to people I've found on TikTok who are actually doing everything I talk about when building a personal brand by demonstrating who they are, what they do, and how they do it in such fun, compelling, and interesting ways that you'll, your mind will be blown. My first guest on that series is going to be Dan McClellan, who, if you're like me, I don't know how he got on my TikTok feed, but this PhD biblical scholar who does takedowns of people who are misreading the Bible of all things, he has created a place for himself in academia that I want to learn a whole lot more about. It will not be a boring conversation, I guarantee you, because I'm a pastor's kid, now agnostic, going to be talking to a Mormon PhD who is into biblical studies. Yeah, it's going to be a cage match, but in a really fun, respectful way. So definitely check that out. Coming up on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, watch for the TikTok sessions, starting with Dan McClellan. At any rate, Mark, once again, where can people hook up with you? Yeah, it's easy. You don't even have to remember my name. You can remember grow. You can find the books we talked about today, including Belonging to the Brand, my podcast, my blog, and all my social connections. If you follow me on LinkedIn, I'll follow you back. I, I love connecting to people on LinkedIn, and I'd be happy to you know, respond to your audience and stay in touch. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm not blowing smoke, Mark is the real deal. Plenty of crappy books out there. His are not them. I'm saying yeah, always you. good, thoughtful stuff. And over his shoulder, you can see Marketing Rebellion, which was a fantastic book, as well as Cumulative Advantage. I mean, are you working on anything new or are you taking a little bit of break now that this uh, book's out? I'm taking a little bit of a break. You know, it, you know when, uh, as you're hinting at this, I mean, writing a book for me is intense. I mean, it is not fluff. There is not one page of fluff in any of my books. Every page as an idea, an inspiration, a case study. And it, it just takes an intense amount of concentration and effort and, and sacrifice, frankly. So when I start a book project, it is, it is not something I do lightly. It's something I need to think about 
for a long time. It's something I need to be sure about. It's something I need to commit to, you know, 100% and be excited about it. So, you know, I've got a, a couple little ideas that are spinning around, but nothing really close to an idea for a book yet. But you do have a blog that people can definitely pay attention to. How can they access that? Yeah, the blog. I'm excited about the blog. I mean, I think my blog is better than ever. We've had just some some really great content. And, and in April, I'm going to be even taking it up a notch and changing some things on my blog and delivering it in some new ways. And so, yeah. So just go. If you can find businessesgrow.com that's where you can find everything. And my blog is free. My podcast is free. My books are really cheap. <laughs> you're getting, yeah. you're getting, you're getting two years of my life for 20 bucks. Such a deal. It is. It really is. And it, you don't have to be a business to get a ton of great information out of there, especially if you want to put yourself out there into the world as not only a human being, but as what I would call a nonfiction brand, being true to who you are, what you do and how you do it. Because the bumper sticker on my car, figuratively, is know who you are so you can be it. That's it for this week on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I am your host, as always, D.P. Knuton, and he is... Mark Schaefer. And I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.